55 of the Red Prayer Book. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. reading from the book of Isaiah. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion in the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to know, to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. 
Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to change, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindication shall go before you. The glory of God shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bond strong, bone strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall call it, be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
reading from the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish, but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for your glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through our, our spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also, no one comprehends what is truly God's except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the Lord, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's spirit for they are foolishness of them, and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritually discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one's else's scrutiny. For who has known in the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? The word of the Lord. Thanks. Our sequence or gospel hymn this morning is hymn 601. We'll read the, we'll sing the first three verses prior to the reading of the gospel, the fourth and fifth after. So please stand and join in singing hymn 601, found in the blue hymnals.
Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. The question in today's Gospel reading from St. Matthew is, how good is good enough? This is the issue brought out by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we're working our way through now these Sundays. And our reading today follows the Beatitudes, which form the beginning of Jesus' sermon. Today, he says, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, who concentrated on the hundreds of laws in the Torah and then added a good number of items of their own, he says that their righteousness, that kind of righteousness, is not good enough. Good enough for what? We might well ask, good enough for heaven is the answer. Today's reading concludes with Jesus saying, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whereas the scribes and Pharisees concentrated on the manifold letters of the law, 
Jesus refocused righteousness and made it a matter of the heart and the spirit. He therefore actually upped the ante of the question, how good is good enough? In the verses immediately following today's gospel reading, for example, Jesus says that questions of murder and adultery go much further than the outward requirements of the law. Hatred and lust, inwardly conceived and harbored in our mind and heart, though not enacted outwardly, have already taken us into the realm of sin. Such evil thoughts exclude. They have no place in the kingdom of heaven. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes on like this. He actually says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He means that the kingdom of heaven is all God's realm, all God's. He means that there is no sin there. No piece of hell has a place in heaven. In the book of Revelation, at the end of the New Testament, St. John the Divine has a vision and he sees that the gates of heaven are always open. By day or night, they will never be shut. And yet, nothing unclean or abominable or evil can enter into them, go through them. There's simply no place for that. If we insist on clinging to our sins, refusing to let go, God finds another place for the refusal, the abyss where everyone can have their own way forever, if so be it. This is what lies behind Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven and righteousness or sin, if we so choose and prefer. I assume we do not so choose and prefer, even though every one of us here in this church, including or especially yours truly, is a sinner. We will corporately confess as much in the liturgy before we offer our offerings, before we go up to the altar to receive the grace of Holy Communion. So how are we to get out of this bind when we learn that sinless, perfect, all goodness is the only thing good enough, only through repentance, turning again. Now many of us think or are tempted to think of our lives as on balance, maybe mostly okay. We hope the merits outweigh the demerits on our righteousness scorecard. But that directly contradicts what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, in the very same Gospel of Matthew, many sinners come to Jesus, like St. Matthew, the tax collector himself, and are received and even employed, put to work, like Matthew was for Jesus, for discipleship. On the cross, next to Jesus, were two malefactors. Their demerits appear to have outweighed their merits and to have got them to their crucifixion. 
One of them cursed Jesus. The other rebuked this, blessed Jesus, and asked Jesus to receive him in his kingdom, which Jesus famously did, saying, truly, today you will be with me in paradise. So it does not appear at all to be a question of my self-esteem, as I may think of my relative goodness or sinfulness on balance, not at all. It appears to be a matter of the heart and mind and their intentions, the very matter, the place in us where the crux is where lust or hatred or other dark things are conceived and nurtured, or where grace is born, as Jesus points out in his sermon. So what are we to do since it is clear that sin clings so closely? Again, repent, turn again. It is our life's work to be renewed daily. In today's reading, from his first letter to the church in Corinth, the apostle Paul tells them, he goes on a bit, but he, right at the beginning, he gets right to the point, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul, before his conversion to Christ, had been a Pharisee who actively persecuted the first disciples of Jesus and who had helped with the killing of Saint Stephen, our first martyr. He said elsewhere that as as far as the law was concerned, he was blameless. Sounds fine, but it's not fine at all because the heart of his religion had been empty until the risen Jesus encountered him and turned him into a disciple. While Paul, by the way, was on his way to more persecuting. Now, Paul was preaching the same Jesus who had attracted Matthew and the repentant thief on the cross. So how good is good enough? Jesus, the Son of God, God's word made flesh, the one true human being, is the only one good enough. He alone, as we sang at the beginning, he alone is the Holy One and he is the Lamb of God, the first and last sacrifice who reveals that God is love and that God desires that we return to him to enter and to enjoy the kingdom of heaven. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let us, with the apostle, and St. Matthew and the thief on the cross put aside those thoughts of ourselves, worthy or unworthy of notions that we may cherish of worldly wealth or status or wisdom of self-regard. Let us just forget all that and turn and look to Jesus. So this is the ending of it. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He is our wealth, our status, our wisdom. He is our worthiness. 
let go of the rest. Jesus is all love and goodness. In fact, Jesus is God with us in the flesh. So repent and follow him into his kingdom. And as we follow, we discover something. We will begin to find that he increasingly has his way with us as we follow. The spirit of God that drew us to Jesus in the first place enables us to think, to speak, and to act, or as Paul would put it, to walk by the same spirit. And then we begin not only to walk, but to live like never before, changed from glory to glory, until in heaven we take our place. And that is really good enough. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen. and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, for the loving kindness of God, and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our bishop, and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our president, for the leaders of the nations, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
for the towns of South Kingston and Narragansett, for every city and community, and for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the good earth which God has given us and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who travel on land, on water, or in the air or through outer space, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and the suffering, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In our parish cycle of prayer, for David and Rosemary Smith, David Spears, and Judith Stemberg, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, for all diocesan staff, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have died in the hope of the resurrection, and for all the departed, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For deliverance from all danger, violence, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may end our lives in faith and hope, without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Defend us, deliver us, and in thy compassion protect us, O Lord, by thy grace. Lord, have mercy. In the communion of our patron Peter and all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. pray this morning for the repose of the soul of Linda Kashiola. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercy accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Always with you. And also with you. Let us greet one another the sign of Christ's love. 
Thank you. 